If y'all would, let's go to Leviticus 23. There's so much that, that as I got into this menorah and this study and this whatever I'm doing. Anyway, I just want to say this to start with is this is not Halisa's, um, the menorah from creation gospel. So I don't want you to get confused. Okay, what happened was, but I'm using the same principle because she has got excellent work. Amen? She's got excellent work. But what I did here was, is this menorah has to do strictly with one chapter in the whole scriptures in this Leviticus chapter 23. And what happened was, is as I was going through this, I was saying, you know what? If the church world or the believing world, this is one chapter, this is one thing that they all, we all need to get down and we need to understand is his feast and festivals. Because everything ties to that. I don't care what you're looking Yeshua is, and that's why I wrote it down, he is this living menorah. He is that. He's the vine and we're the branches, and he and John and uh, all the other books, is the, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was Elohim, and the Word was Elohim, and Yeshua is that Word. <clears throat> I just want to say this over and over and over again, that everything that we do here, we're not trying to do something here to try to get brownie points with the Father. We're doing this because of Yeshua. Because Yeshua did this, and this is, and he's our older brother, he's our bridegroom, and all of the above, you know all of the words, and so guess what? Whatever he did, we need to be doing, okay? So we can just, we can cover that. Without Yeshua, you can do all of this stuff if you want to, then you know what? It's just, you're just doing it, okay? But with Yeshua, I just want to make that um, very evident before I get started with this teaching. Because I thought this was, so what I've done here is, is in a menorah, here at the beginning, where usually when we're in the creation gospels, it would start off with Passover. But what I'm doing here is I'm starting off with Shabbat. Because Shabbat ties in to Sukkot. Because if we go and we look, and we're going to read the scripture in just a moment, because the Sabbath is the seventh day, ties into the seventh month. Okay, so we're going to have fun with this, but at the same time, I just want us to know that this is why these feasts and festivals are important. See, a lot of times people wonder why I have the stance. If you're not here celebrating Shabbat with us every week, they wonder why in the world I have a problem with you being at Sukkot. Well, the problem is, is because this ties to here. Now, let me say this. If you've been sick, if you have sick kids and COVID, and if there's a, if there, that's not a problem. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about when you're, when you're able to be here, you need to be here. When you, we can't just say because I just don't feel good today because my ingrown toenail or something. And what I'm saying is put a Band-Aid on it and dip it in peroxide and just go. So what I'm saying is because every Shabbat speaks to really every one of these, starting from here all the way across, but especially... Uh, as we're going to read some scriptures, I just want to do some tie-ins from each one. So we're going to jump in the scriptures. We're going to jump from starting in verse 1. And then we'll jump down to the end of the chapter. And then we're going to work our way back to the middle, okay? Because this, is, to me, is of utmost importance. Okay, verse 1. It says this. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them. Now, guys, if you got Yeshua in your life, you're Israel. Okay, um, it's just the way it is. Grafted in the whole nine yards, Romans 11. And it says, these are the appointed feast of Yahweh. These are not Jews' feast. These are not Jewish feast. These are not Israel feast. These are not Egypt's feast. These are Yahweh's feast. And Yahweh is inviting someone to join him at his feast. And it says that you shall proclaim, he's telling us now, we have a job to do. What do we do? We're proclaiming. Every time we're here and you see cars in this parking lot, when people drive by, you're proclaiming that there's an Elohim in the heavens because that's what he said to do. It's not our business. It's his business. And it says, you shall proclaim these as holy convocations. So this is holy convocation is when we meet together. We've gone over these in scriptures many times. It's important. So guess what? They are whose appointed feast? They're his. He said, these are my appointed feasts and festivals. 
So guys, he already takes the responsibility out of mine and your hand to know that we didn't create this, he did. But he is telling us that we are to be here and that we are to, now there are people in home fellowships, I understand that. If you're out living somewhere that you're going to hear this from HRN, <clears throat> I understand that, the Father understands that, but it's time that you need to be getting where there's a fellowship. Because in these days that we're living in, look, I'm just going to, can I share something with you? If you don't know, and I tell you, you need to be looking around what's happening in the world. <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything about what's on vacation up there in, in the northern part of our states, but I want to tell you something. If you don't know anything of how things could happen and how things could happen fast, look at Afghanistan. Whenever in Afghanistan, in just a moment, when they sit there and made the statement, there ain't no way that they're going to Kabul. Guys, they, they, it, it's been, what, maybe a week or two? I'm talking about within a week time, the Taliban has taken over the whole area of Afghanistan. And don't tell me that things, when things happen and things start to move, this is why the, the parable is in there and why the prophecy is in there. When it's time, it says, if you're on the housetop, you better roll. And if you're in the field, don't go back to your house. All of these things, because you're not going to have time. And it's showing forth what's happening and how quick things can happen and people move and how the enemy can move in on us during these times. So just use that as a, uh, a temperature gauge of what's happening physically right now is what's happening in the end. This is why this is so important. Okay, so these are his appointed feasts and festivals. And guess what? I'm telling you this. I believe this with all my heart. I just believe it because it's, I believe his word and I believe my Elohim. The thing about it is, if you're where you're supposed to be, you don't have to worry about who's mobilizing around. Amen? You don't. So guess what? If there's a time, and I believe that there's going to be a time when these trumpets blow and we get into these Sukkot feasts, he's going to have, he's, we will have our marching orders to do what we need to do because he is going to release these angels on the four corners of this world and they are going to start burning up a third of what they're commanded to burn up. And that's just what they're going to do. But guess what? If we're where we're supposed to be, you won't be touched. Because he told us that we would be a well-watered garden in scorched places, Isaiah 58. But guess what? We need to be where he tells us to be, or you're going to get scorched in the scorched places. This is what I'm saying. So Sabbath is very important. Verse 3, he says this, Six days you, work, uh, you shall work. I'm sorry, let me back up. Six days shall work be done, and on the seventh day it is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. Now, like I said before, I understand if the power company goes out, I understand these hurricanes and people, and I understand that. But this is your actual job. What I'm saying is, is you're not supposed to be out working and creating and doing. Unless there's a major emergency to where... I mean, I'm not saying if your water pipe busts in your house and you say, well, I'm going to come. Yeah, an ox in the ditch. I just want to make that clear because I don't want to bring somebody in condemnation, but I want to make it very, I want to make it very plain that it's not easy for an ox to be in a ditch. Okay, you can't just go and just start making oxes all over the place. You can't push them in a ditch because you need to do something, okay? Don't be running them off the road. That's what I'm saying, okay? But he does say something, and he says, this is Sabbath, because he said, you shall do no work. And what does it say? It is a Sabbath to who? Yahweh. This is why this is important. This is to him. And it says, and it, in where? In all of your dwellings. He knew we were going to be scattered, so I know you know this. I just want to put this in your mind. This is why this is important. Because if we're not doing this, because this affects all of the rest. It affects all the rest. This is why it's sitting here. And this is why Yahweh placed it first. He could have put these are my appointed feasts and festivals and started at Passover. I know that whenever I got into Hebrew roots a long time ago, that was really all the people ever celebrated was Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, as they call it. That's all they would do. They wouldn't even worry about Shabbat. They would just show up at a feast and hadn't done anything all year long. And you know what? I can tell you, because I have the testimonies of a lot of people that will remain anonymous, and they'll tell you that they had Shavuot, and they thought that they were at the lake of fire. Because they had so much, they had so much turmoil 
And how come they had all of this turmoil and all of this stuff going on? Because they didn't take care of the very first time that he says it's my appointment. Because this ties in to the wedding. Because this talks about covenant. What do we say in Exodus 31? This is a what? A sign, a perpetual, it is a sign between me, between him and us. This is a sign. Remember in Matthew 22, I believe. Is it Matthew 22? I don't know. Matthew, there's talks about a wedding feast. The wedding feast in Matthew 22. This is the wedding feast. And in this wedding feast, he, he said, go out. They didn't want to come. He says, you're not, you're not worthy. When, he, when the king tells you to come to his wedding feast, and you say, you know what? I got too much to do. I got my 401ks to worry about. I got all, I'm on my vacation. My son, you don't understand there's a soccer tournament this weekend. You don't understand there's a baseball tournament. You don't understand that this is the first time we've ever been in the national championship. All of these excuses. You know, uh, and he says, guess what? What did he say? You're not worthy. You're not worthy. Then he says, go out into the highways and the byways. And he did that. And that's what he's doing. He's, he's in the highways and byways, but guess what? Somebody showed up here, and the king said, because he recognized him because he didn't have what? The right garments. He said, how did you get in here? See, garments, the, the righteous acts of the saints, this is what we wear. What you sew today, S-O-W, is or S E how is it how you spell so? All right, now like when you're sewing something, it's S O W. S E W when you're sewing something. There you go. See, I'm just something. I just messed up my vowel. S E W. When you sew, when you sew here, what you sew here, what you sew here is what you're going to wear here. And if you ain't sewing the right thing here, you're going to show up here with the wrong garment on. The man was clothed, but he was clothed with the wrong garment. What happened? He wasn't clothed with the garment. This is what makes your garment. Amen? So this is why that parable's in there, because he's saying that this, the seventh day, ties in with the seventh month. What we wear here and what we're doing here shows forth how we look whenever the king and the wedding takes place, because this is all about the wedding time. Amen? Yes, you can say something. I'm going to repeat something that you say all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> On Sunday, first day, we start That's right. preparing for Shabbat. So you have the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. We're preparing all those things for that day. Amen. Amen. It's all about preparation. And it's all about doing because you know what? <clears throat> he said these are his appointed times. This is why I said in a message a couple of weeks ago. He designs and builds, we guard and keep. He designed and built this system. And we're to guard and keep this system. But what the church has done as a whole, they changed this to Sunday. They changed this to Easter. They, they're not going to eat anything unleavened. Huh? Oh, we got cross buns? Okay, we got leaven buns here. We have Pentecost here. We don't have the Torah, we just have the Spirit. And it's running wild. And then, and then we go into this feast here. So we have Halloween and all the other stuff. So what happens is, is they have changed days and times and seasons. That's what Daniel 7 is about. So I've got a lot to cover. So let me roll. So, so this is what he was saying. In all of your dwelling places, these are going to happen. All right, let's go to verse, verse 33. I just want to read it because I've already talked about a lot of stuff that I threw in there. It says, And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, and for seven days the Feast of Booths, to the Lord, or to Yahweh. So these are still, this is what we're doing for Yahweh. On the first days of holy convocation, you shall do no ordinary work on that day. For seven days you shall pre present a food offering. Now, I know we, we, have, we make our bodies as living sacrifices today, but this is why this is important. 
I want you to know that on all of these days, even on Shabbat, there's, there's offerings that you never come before the king empty-handed. This is why these offerings, so whatever our offering is today, this is why we need to bring it, and it, and it needs, and it's very, very, very important. So where am I at? Okay, in 36, and it says on the eighth day, and naturally this eighth day is important because this eighth day is part of this season. This is that eternal day that we're looking for. Amen. Whoa, here, this is that eternal day that we're looking for. I know you put that there, so I trip. Oh, you've been praying I wouldn't look good. You need to, you need to fast for me because your prayer is a little lacking. Okay, because <laughs> I did trip anyway. So anyway, so we see here that there's the eternal day, and it says, and you shall hold a holy convocation. And here again, it says, present a food offering to Yahweh. It is a solemn assembly. You shall do no ordinary work. So what I wanted to say is I wanted to read it so you could hear it because I hopefully you will read it again. But it's, you see that there's a thing to where we have to cease from what we're doing. Because Yahweh ceased, he's telling us to cease. We're not to do what he's telling us. We just need to do what he's telling us to do. Cease because we need to pay attention. Now, we're going to get here to unleavened bread in a minute because this was a seven-day deal here where this is a seven-day deal here, and then the eighth day. You'll see here in a moment, there was a Sabbath at the beginning and a Sabbath at the what? At the end. The same way that you have here. I believe personally, he didn't tell me this. This is just my opinion, and I hope he don't spank me for this. But every one of these days, all seven days of unleavened bread is set apart and, and sanctified. They're not. They're all holy. They're not common. You don't have a... Set apart day, and then you got common days in between because we eat unleavened bread when? All seven days. I just believe that he puts a Sabbath at the beginning, I mean at the beginning and the end, so he's showing that everything, in other words, he's making a sandwich. He's got two pieces of bread, and everything in between is holy because it's all one piece. Does that make sense? The same way with this feast at the end. Because the reason why I, I like this, I tried this before, we did here. We, we tried to do Sukkot in Luxdale one time. And most of the people that was doing Sukkot, what were they doing in the middle of the week? They went back working. They went back to work. They would come and spend a night, but they were doing it. So you lose what the Father's trying to teach us in Sukkot. Because he's working on us because he's trying to get us sort of like to live together for a little while. To, so that we can learn how to minister to one another. And, and hopefully during this time of Elul, we knock off all the rough edges so that the sandwich is good, you know, that we don't have something stale in between the two breads. But if we do, the Father will deal with it. Where? He will deal with it right here because he dealt with a man who didn't have the right garments on. So it tells us that if you don't deal with this now, and this is why I'm teaching this, this is why this is important, everybody needs to know. This is why we do this, because if you get here, you got the wrong garment on. The Father will deal with it. I know I have experienced it at Sukkot that we've had, and they were not pretty. Amen. They were just, they were not pretty. I was like, you know, and what do we say? Father, we're here. This is your day. This is your time. You told us to be here. You need to handle all of this mess. Son, you didn't handle this. You brought all of this mess. And when you brought all of this mess, and I'm not cleaning up your mess, you're going to deal with your mess because this is what this was for. Clean up your mess. I'm giving you an opportunity. Every week, clean up your mess. Keep it clean. But if you bring it, you're not bringing it and dumping it in my lap. You're going to deal with it. If not, I will bind you and cast you out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the story. Amen? Okay. That's good, ain't it? Amen. Y'all can say amen. I don't care. Don't get Pentecostal on me a little bit. I know. Do a little Zodico or whatever. No, don't do that. Okay, let's go to verse 4. We're going to pick up with uh, Passover now. And so what I have here is I have Passover on its leg. I've got Passover tied into Day of Atonement. Like, boy, don't that fit. It says, these are the appointed feast 
of Yahweh, the holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the time appointed him. I mean, you know what? He must have known we were going to forget this. I mean, because every time he, he goes to one, he's like he's got to tell us over again that there's an appointed time where I'm going to meet with you. You better be there. If not, I'm going to cut you off. And he doesn't just say it at the beginning. He goes through every one of them. He gives us a warning with that. I think that's sort of a lot important. Amen? Okay, so verse 5, it says, In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Father, or Yahweh's, Passover. All right, 4 and 5 is going to tie into Day of Atonement. Let's look at the Day of Atonement, verse 26. Let's go down. We'll read a couple of verses, and then we're going to stop. It says, And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Now on the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourself. That's why we fast and present a food offering to Yahweh. Yahweh don't get to fast. He gets to eat. Well, we fast, okay? But we still bring an offering. All right, I'm going to stop there. So now, I just want to, because I can't go to all the scriptures because of time. Okay, so I'm going to try to do a few little things here. Okay. The Day of Atonement is on what day? Tenth. All right, I'm going to put the word tenth. I'm just going to put a little tenth right here, Kate. Okay, what day is this on? Passover. Fourteenth. But I'm going to ask you a question. You should get it. What really ties the tenth and the tenth here? The lamb was selected on the tenth. This is important because the lamb was selected on the tenth. And if you don't have the lamb, you ain't got a proper lamb. You don't have a proper fourteenth. So without the lamb, you don't have atonement. I thought how it was really important how the tenth day the lamb was selected, and you were to watch over that lamb for four days until the 14th to make sure that there was no spot or blemish or anything. It had to be what? Perfect. It just had to be perfect. So it does tie together because there's a tenth and a tenth. Because without this tenth, you can't have this 14th. Amen? And so what else happens on this right here is, I'm just going to say it, the word blood. Because without the blood placed over the doorpost and lentil, there was no what? Passover. Well, there was a passing over, but there was a death if you didn't have it. So if you didn't have this death of the lamb, then the firstborn died here. But guess what happens? What does the high priest do once a year? What does he take? He takes blood again. He takes blood into the holies of holies on the Ark of the Covenant once a year. Is Yeshua like our high priest? Like he's the high priest? Who goes back here? The high priest does. You can see how these tie together? Man, I, I was just like beaming. That's why I got stuff written everywhere. Because it kept, it kept adding to and adding to. And then I went over here and I said, What do you say? Well, they bring in two animals here. And they have what kind? They have what? Two goats, right? Well, what two did Yahweh do here? Egypt and Israel. Two goats. Really, because a goat's not bad. As, because they made it as a sacrifice here. Because here you could have a lamb or a goat, because that was part of it. But here you, you had two goats. You had two nations. And you still, with these two nations... Really, Egypt represents who? The whole world. The whole world. And then Israel represented a covenant between us and the Father. And so what happens over here, you have the same thing. You have sin, you have a nation of sin, and you have a goat of righteousness. One was sacrificed, just like here, and the other was let loose out in the wilderness. But we're not, what did he say? We're in the world, but we're not what? Of the world. So with this goat that got let go out in the world, we're not to be a part of all of that. So I started looking at the twos, where there was a, the two nations and two goats. 
And I was just playing with that. There's many ways. I'm not saying this is exactly right. Because you can probably pull your own little, uh, yeah, chiasms from this, this same thing as you go through the Torah portions and all that. Let me see if there's another one. If you think you have one, you can throw it out there. As long as it ain't too crazy. Okay. So let's go on to now the next one. Oh, and let me say this. I forgot to say this too. In Exodus, y'all don't have to go here. But in Exodus 12, 47 and 48. Because I will say this, this talks about, the, as well as numbers, it talks about the second Passover. Remember? So let me just say this. To be able to do the Passover, or partake of the Passover, were there certain rules that you had to obey? Absolutely. Do you think that there, were, there was not certain rules that the high priest had to obey before he was able? Because the first one he had to offer up Forgiveness for his sins first. Even Yeshua, the Passover lamb, did that, but yet there was no sin found in him. But he did the same thing. He took our sins there. Just like the high priest had to really go and do his, but also Israel's. Can you see the tie-ins and how chiasm, you know, uh, chiastically it works? All right, I'm going to read Exodus 12, 47. It says in the... All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. Talking about the Passover. It says, if a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to Yahweh, let all his males be what? Circumcised. In other words, now he has a way for the stranger to come in. This is where there's a grafting in. But we have to do it his way. We're circumcised of the heart. This is what this is all about. This is a Nicodemus story. Lest you be born again. There's a sacrifice of the heart. So you have to have there again, there's a cutting. Now, when you were circumcised here in, in the time of Abraham, Abraham in circumcision was the sign of a what? Of a covenant. This is all about covenant. So whenever you were cut, the males were cut, what did they do? They bled. So there was blood even at that covenant also. And me personally, I got to keep it G-rated, but just use your imagination. Abraham and Sarah acted in the flesh and produced Ishmael. So it was probably fitting that that area probably lost flesh to remember, don't do that no more. Just my opinion, okay? Because I'm just saying, they operated in the flesh, circumcision, you lose what? flesh okay and it causes then there's blood to deal with these covenants so anyway so we went from there to there okay uh so he does tell us that there is a way for them oh and i want to read verse 49 in exodus 12 and it says there shall be two laws no there shall be one law for the native and the stranger who sojourns among you so guess what you don't have to be born a Hebrew. You accept Yeshua as your Savior, guess what? Because Yeshua represents this whole thing. And we are, we are required, according to his word, where there is one law. There's not two sets of rules. There's not a dual covenant that's floating out there. There's one covenant, and that covenant was given to Abraham. And that's what the uh, book of Galatians is all about. When it talks about whenever he... Uh, did the sacrifices of the pieces. Abraham fell asleep. The smoking fire pot. And it went through the pieces. Which is Yeshua. Because Yeshua is the seed. Of Abraham. Even though we're seeds of Abraham. He's the seed. And now we're seeds of Yeshua. That's what that means in Galatians. Okay. Where am I at? Or right, we're going to now. The feast of unleavened bread. And the feast of unleavened bread is verse 6 in Leviticus 23. Then it says, On the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to Yahweh. And for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. 
and you shall not do any ordinary work. You keep seeing this holy convocation and not doing ordinary work. This is important, guys. This is important. Because when you're going to get down to the scriptures, when, when you get down there and you see, when you are working on these days, Yahweh said, I will cut you off among the people. Because what we're doing is, is we're breaking a covenant. We're breaking his covenant. And there again, even though we went from Shabbat, Passover, now we're unleavened bread, this is really a season, okay? Even Passover all the way to Shavuot is a season, just like trumpets and Sukkot is all a season. They're individual feasts. There's a, the, the uh, blowing of the trumpets here. The Day of Awakening Blast, Day of Atonement, but this is all part of this season. You can't get here without going through this here, okay? And this is why this is important. Even though this is, even though this is tied together and this is tied together, this looks like it is on its own, but it's not. This ties both seasons together. This is what Shabbat is about. This is why it's so important. And there again, the reason why I'm mentioning this, I'm, I'm not trying to be aggravating or mean. But whenever the scripture is full of the ten virgins and, and, and all of these parables like this, where some make it, some don't, some are dressed right, some are not, you see all of this, it's my job to make sure that we understand that we're doing what we need to do, that we're, that we're going to be in this number here. I don't want to lead a whole congregation of people and then one day he sits there and round up this group here. They're not dressed like they're supposed to be dressed. This is why this is important to me because what you do and how you do what you do here, you got to answer for that. But I'm going to teach you that this is what needs to happen and this is where we need to be because it says this is holy convocation. And my thing is, is if I turn around and just let any O Tom, Dick, and Harry, I guess that was three guys, okay? If I turn around and let these guys here just show up at Passover, take of the Passover, you know, get down to that third cup where we have the, the wine and the bread, knowing good and well they're not ready for that, Paul in the Scriptures makes it plain. Some who do not, you have to discern that. And I'm telling you there's a discernment here and there is a discernment here. Because guess what? At the end of this one, I didn't even mention that one. At the end of this one, there's a closing of the gates. Just like right here, there's a closing of the gates. At midnight, there was a gate that was closed. In other words, whenever that blood was over the doorpost, that, that death angel passed over. So that, that door, that, that door, but there, it, it sealed those inside. There's going to be a closing of the gates here at the end of this time too. Are we going to be the ones that's going to be sealed inside for the kingdom because the ones that are sealed here get to go here and they're not cut off here this is why this is so important because he kept he keeps telling us over and over not to do any ordinary work and there's reasons why we do what we're supposed to be doing put that back on there it's drying out hey you want to give him the mic real quick For years when we read, um, you know, in the Brit that, you know, we're on a very narrow path, but it ends with a narrow gate. It does. And I never really understood that. It just seemed like, yeah, you know, narrow path, narrow gate. But, you know, when you begin to understand this whole, you were looking at the second and the, uh, I guess what that would be the sixth. Sixth there. one. Yeah, right. Basically, um, that is, a narrow gate is, you know, you've got to squeeze through it. You do. And there's a lot of things that you got to lose on that journey. Amen. That a lot of people don't want to lose. Amen. You know, and I, as I've had to meditate uh, over a lifetime now on this, I realize a lot of times that less is more in the kingdom. You know, as it's a, it's a lot of taking away, much the same way a stone cutter is taking stuff off a. That's right. What would be a worthless crystal and turn it into a diamond? But if the diamond could talk and he could feel the stone cutter doing what he's doing, he'd be in pain. That's right. He you wouldn't know? like it. He'd, he'd be wouldn't hollered, stop. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. But at the, the, the end result is that, that, that narrow gate. And a lot of people 
frankly, aren't going to want to do the narrow path. Narrow That's gate. right. Well, here's the thing. Now, look, I'm going to say this again because I always get this. What about the past? What about in the year 1,000? I have no control over that. The Father reveals things when the Father reveals things. And what he's done is, is now, for, for many, many years now, he has been revealing this. So guess what? When there's this revelation of this, I'm not, look, back in the 1500s during the Ref Reformation, I don't know if they had this or they didn't have this. If they did have this and they decided not to do it, they're in trouble. But I'm just telling you this, I can't, I don't speak for them, but I know that the revelation that he has given us now, he has given us this, and he's given us this for many years. And I'm just saying this, that, that I don't just let anybody in our congregation, us and the elders, we've sat down and we've talked about this, because I'm not doing anybody any favors. Because if I just say, yeah, just everybody just show up at Passover, that's like once saved, always saved. You know, you can live like hell and just come on in here and it's going to be all right. What I'm doing is, is I'm teaching you that I'm teaching you down on this earth that he's going to receive that same way up there, and he ain't. He's not going to do that. He's just not going to do it. So it's better to fuss at me down here and not make it in here than me to sit here and say, just everybody have a party here and get you some wine, and let's all get drunk at the table, and then miss this over here, and then everybody's going to be fussing me. This is why this is so important. When you do this, this leads up to everything down the line. It just does. And we cannot, I just, look, we're lazy people as a whole. Man's just that way. It takes work to do this. It takes work to prepare for every Shabbat. And I'm not talking about me. Naturally, I'm supposed to. But I'm talking about for you, whatever you're going through during the week. Because Shabbat is supposed to be a, a day of joy. That's why we don't fast on Shabbat. It's a, it's a joyous time. This is the season of our what? What are we supposed to be doing here? Joy. It's a, this is a mini Sukkot every week. Every week we have a mini Sukkot. That's why the children love being here so much. It's a mini Sukkot. They're trying to figure out how we can't do seven days at walk away here. And they legally got a point, but we'll talk about that later. We'll start that. Seven days of unleavened bread would be nice. We just can't eat leaven there. Can't have a honey bun. Yeah, I can't have no fritters. Fritters are out, and I'm not eating an unleavened fritter. That's out. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely out. Okay, so where are we at? Unleavened bread. I can't find my scripture on unleavened bread. How I... Oh, here it is right here. I've already read that. Did I not read that? Okay, unleavened bread. We did the 15 days and all of that. So anyway, I thought this was just interesting. Here, unleavened bread, we have seven days, and then we have the day of awakening blast. But there's something that happens in unleavened bread, and there's something happens at trumpets. There's what happens. There's something called accounting. Not accounting, but counting. We start counting. Because... After this Sabbath, we start counting the Feast of Weeks all the way to here, and we count seventh Sabbath, complete Sabbath, to the 50th day, is 50th weeks, weeks, seven weeks, 50 days. I've got to get that right. So what happens is, is there's accounting. Why is there accounting? Because there's an accounting, because this, the Father's trying to show you something, that here is the giving of the Torah, and the giving of the Spirit. Okay, so there's an anticipation because we come out of bondage here. We come out of bondage during this season here. When we come out of here, we come out of Egypt. Now he's teaching us all the way through, but now he's going to give us, because guess what? This is our betrothal. This is not the wedding. This is a wedding, but it's a betrothal. Here is when he returns. This is why that story of Joseph and Miriam's in the Scripture. He came, he betrothed her, he went away, and he built a place when he came back, but he found her pregnant. And, and that didn't really look good. But we understand the story, so that was the way. And so they do this because this is the way Hebrew thinking is. 
So what happens is, is we have our, we have our, that's right, our choosing, that's right. So what we have here is, is he does what he does for us. And I'm talking about on the death, burial, and resurrection, Yeshua at the cross, not way back in Egypt. But this is a Passover because that's when, and what did he do? He walked with his disciples before the giving of the spirit. He ascended. And then he told us to be witnesses until when? Until here. So we're in this witnessing stage. So what happens is, is there's, an, there's a counting of the 50 days here. But even at the, the trumpets, the day of awakening blast, there's called 10 days of what? There's a counting to this time here. You can see that there's still, because he's saying there's something that's very important going to happen here. Now, guys, I don't know how to make this. I'm just going to tell you my opinion. I don't know how else to do but this. Because you got to realize, I was raised in, in regular Christian thought. All right? <clears throat> I was raised in the rapture. So I had a plane ticket. Until I realized that plane ticket was not good. Okay? And so what happens is, is I do understand that there is the resurrection. And the resurrection is what we hold to. But there is an awakening blast that happens here. But Day of Atonement and the closing of the gate is not till here. So there's ten more days that, get, that gets... Now, if you want to say that our Heavenly Father is not merciful, He is merciful to be able to allow this to happen but let me share something with you about the days of all. These are awesome days, but that word awesome days ain't awesome for those who ain't ready. We're talking about, yeah, we're talking about a lot of, lot of we're talking about a lot of, we're talking about wailing and gnashing of teeth type. We're talking pain here because now there's not a lot of time to get ready from here to here. But at the same time, because you know what I really, and I just look at it because I just, I'm just, this is me. This is, because I've been doing this a long time. See, nobody's wanted to do nothing until maybe this time here happens. We've been sitting here trying to figure out how to get around all of this, all of these years, knowing that we don't want to miss this. We just want to get righteous at the right time so that we just, in other words, we want fire insurance. We don't want to go to hell. You know, we don't want to have that eternal separation. We don't want to have, you know what I mean? This is what you don't want. So we play all these manipulating games with Yahweh and we make deals with him. You know, there was one guy that they said one time he was, uh, he wanted to, well, he was wealthy. And he turned around and he wanted to commit suicide. Can I say that? Well, what happened was, is he went way out there in the Gulf, about a mile away, he swam out there. But once he got out there, he changed his mind. Now, that's a bad place to change your mind, is when you're out there and you're tired. So he started telling Yahweh, he says, you know what? If you, I'm going to go back. I'm wore out. I don't, if you get me back, I'll give you 90% of everything I make. So he started his journey back to shore. Yahweh gave him strength. As he got closer, he says, you know, he says, uh, I'll give you 80%. And he got going, and he finally got to where I give you 50%. His feet still couldn't touch, but he still, he, what he did was he got to the place to where he was almost at there, and he says, you know what, I'll give you 10%. But then when he got his feet, on the, on the shore, he says, you know what? You own everything anyway, so you don't really need anything. And I hate to say it, but that is the heart of man. We want all that we have because we feel he's got everything and all of the above. And all I'm saying is, is that was a joke. That I remember that, but it etched in my mind because, you know what? That really ain't a joke. That is the way people are. We try to make deals with Yahweh. We get in trouble, and we know we're in trouble, and then we start making deals with him in, in our repentance and in our closets and all of that. And what happens is there's no difference, and this is why this is going to be hard. If your mind, I'm telling you guys, if your mind ain't made up by here, for the people that's going to be able to make up their mind from here to here, it ain't going ain't to happen. 
There may be a few. I'll just give it that. But in my opinion, there's not a whole lot of change really going to happen. Because you know what? Right here, there's going to be pandemonium. But as time passes, see, they don't know about this day. See, they don't know about it, the Day of Atonement. They just know that the Day of Awakening blasts, there's going to be pandemonium that happens in the earth during this time. They'll have an opportunity. But they really don't know. And as days go by, you know what we do as days go by and nothing happens? We start going back to our old self. But yet the Father, in His love and mercy, there is something about this ten days of awe this here, I believe, of allowing somebody to have some kind of a chance to wake up before that gate closes here. That's just my opinion and the way I see it. And I'm not saying I'm right on that. I'm just letting you know here. But I do know that there's a closing of the gate here. And I know that there's a blast here. And there's something happening in these 10 days of all. And I know it's not going to be pretty. Now, for us, for those of us who know, we're excited. We're excited. We're just like, man, hurry up. We don't need 10 days. We're ready to go right now. But I'm just saying, but the Father, did he not, and let me just, this is the reason what made me think this way, right here, because of Noah. I don't know if you, was you going to Noah? You did good, girl. We synced up, all this red going on. But what happens is, is the day of Noah. So what happened? Whenever Noah said, load up, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Noah didn't say anything. Yahweh said, animals, load up. The animals started showing up. Noah then sort of thought, sort of probably thought, the time and season's getting close because the animals are coming. Yahweh didn't tell him anything. Tell the animals to load up. But then whenever the animals loaded up, he gave them what? Seven more days before Yahweh closed the door. I see this, and I saw that, and this is the reason why I'm saying that the Father gave these people that many more days to load up, and they decided not to do it. This is the reason, I think, Arnold, when we were sitting here, this is why in these days of all, none of these people showed up. So what do we think? that the? I'm just saying, if you're looking back at the patterns, but yet the Father's love is, I mean, is His love not huge beyond imaginable? To sit there and go through all of this. But he doesn't want anyone to perish. He gives us all that time to repent. And, and you know what? Bill used to say we can't get in by the skin of our teeth. Because there's no skin on our teeth. But the thing about it is that sometimes we just slide in right before we get thrown out at home. Some's going to make it that way. And hallelujah that they make it. You know what I mean? It's not, I'm not. Because you know what? If you, if you got an issue with people making it in at the very last, then you, you're like the prodigal. You need to check yourself. You're like the brother who stayed home and worked, and then when the brother, your prodigal came back, then y'all mad because he got in. That story's in there for a reason. You know, that we, we need to be excited that the brother come home. We need to be excited. You got something, Pam? Well, I was just going to add that, um, and also they didn't believe in that seven days because the you know, they're still encouraging to get on the ark, but the rain didn't start. The prophecy that it's going to do something it's never done before didn't start till that door was closed. And then That's right. they started banging. Point being That's that right. between trumpets and Yom Kippur, it may not look like judgment, it's, judgment is coming, and we could look like a bunch of wackadoodles, uh, oh, you know? Absolutely. But the truth is, it doesn't really start till that gate closes, and then... Correct. That's right. So that's a pattern they need to know. That's right. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. There, the judgment done after that gate closes here, because what do we have? The ten virgins. See, the bridegroom came and said, the bridegroom's what? He's coming. Make yourself ready. And they all jumped up. They all was asleep. They all jumped up. But yet, five of them didn't have enough what? enough oil, so they had to go out and, and purchase and get themselves ready. Those who were ready said the bridegroom came, and, and they went on into the chambers. But these others, they showed up, because what, is the, what does the parable say? When they showed up, they were what? What does that mean? That means the door shut. And when that door was shut, then they, they asked, let us in. And he says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, lawlessness, 
I didn't have a relationship with you. Because this is about relationship. Because Yeshua is all of this made flesh. And this is about covenant and relationship. And all of this is why this is important. I just wanted to do this message to let everybody know I'm not trying to be a behind. Well, I'm not trying to be a mule. I'm really not. A donkey. In other words, I'm not trying to be hard. But the thing about it is, is I misrepresent the Father if I let people eat Passover and they're not prepared. And if I let you think that you're going to just show up at Sukkot when you live like who have thought it all year long, and then you just say, well, it's, this is not a vacation. This is not a vacation. This is not a glorified camping trip. I know people say that. Revive is a great time to go and have fellowship. And that's not a holy convocation. And we can go and we can have a great time. And the Spirit moved there. Amen? People got saved. People got filled with Spirit. People, things happen there. That is awesome that that happens. But we don't treat revive like this. Because, I mean, Sukkot, like revive here. And it's very, very, and this is the reason why I say what I do. And the elders, we've, we've gone over this for years, and we've looked at it. All of our heart is, is to let as many people enjoy the feast as we can. But there has to come a place. I don't want to be standing before our maker, and these elders don't want to be standing before him, and him turn around, and, and then somebody eat of this right here and die because of it, or they become sick because of it. Or I give them this false sense of hope and security that they can keep living like they want to every year, every year, every year. But then when this trumpet blasts, then they're not ready. They're in panic mode, and they don't make it. So all I'm saying is, is this, if the congregations of the world if, in, believe in this book, in Messiah, the church, however you want to say it, Leviticus 23 is a must. Because this teaches us everything about prophecy, it teaches us everything about Yeshua, his first coming, his second coming. This is everything is wrapped up right here. And it's just really an awesome thing of, of the parallels and the tie-in. So anyway, um, you may have a lot more that you can bring into that. You know, take a picture of it and play with it. But guys, this is important. And this is a witness and a message that people need to know. Because when all hell breaks loose, and they start trying to grab the zitzits of a Jew, the zitzits of an Israelite. You know what I mean? This is the story. Because what did he say? Every one of these has a memorial. He says, remember. Okay, let's close with prayer.